0: Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast.
1: All right, all right. Welcome to Revolution. Um, Caleb, are we going to have anybody here next week or no? Kurt's going to talk. talk, so he's going to bring the stuff. And Okay. Well, welcome to Revolution. Um, big crowd today. <laughs> yeah, as always. Yes, quality not quantity. Um, so yeah, we uh, we're getting ready to do a couple meet your Congo rations, meet your congregation after the uh, service, which we're stoked about with two of our regular regulars, which will be great. And we've been doing some really great meet your congregations. We just did one with uh, somebody from was it Heather from Canada from Quebec. And um, listening to her was really great. And I just want to thank everybody who's giving me feedback on Instagram and on Twitter and things like that, because I've gotten some really nice feedback lately. And been meeting a lot of the congregation of folks who've been listening just recently over the past six months to a year. And I just received one the other day, a direct message on Instagram, just telling me how much that my suffering and going through that with me helped them go through their own battles and their own hardships. And that means the world to me to hear, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where you just go like, thank God something good came of this mess. You know, this, this breakdown that I had, you know, and and this divorce where it just seems like everything is just scattered and confusing and, you know, hard to explain and 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 just letting the people know that the, you know hearing from people saying we we it's helping us survive is means a lot to me so i just want to put that out there on on there and say thank you to all the folks who've been connecting with me on instagram and and on twitter and facebook i really appreciate your feedback it's been awesome and i got one more online request is if you listen to us online and you're on twitter or retweet us if you're on instagram maybe share us in your stories and let people know about the services um or on facebook and just let people know we're around and uh, to follow us but retweets help us a lot and uh revolution church is on twitter so check us out there um it would be greatly appreciated so next week i will not be here i will be in belfast ireland Northern Ireland. Uh, speaking at Spark, um, Pete Rollin puts on this really great event in an amazing hotel, and every for the past three years, I think called Spark. And you just go and you recharge, and you kind of learn how to make sense of what you are doing and how to do it better, how to be a better communicator, how to do better stuff online, how to communicate, you know. And so, not only am I attending. I'm uh, speaking, and I think I'm speaking twice. So it's really great, and uh, I'm really excited about it and, and grateful to my my pal Pete, as always, for uh, having me be a part of it. Um, so today is... I'm sure we'll get a little feedback from today, maybe a little even kickback. I don't care. I mean, I do care. I, I want your feedback and kickback. But um, today is about grace as almost a part, at Grace's Anarchy. And I'll tell you um, what inspired that. Um, Are you guys familiar with Brandit Jean? I think it's his name, Brandit Jean, or Botham Jean. He was the uh, African-American who was shot by Amber Geyer, um is uh is his name was botham, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, botham Jean. And uh she walked into an apartment which was his and thought it was hers and shot a man and killed him. And it is a tragedy on a million levels. Um it's very complex. But I recently saw footage of Brandon Jean, uh, Botham's younger brother, uh, at court and speaking to the judge. And he was moved by grace. He was moved by forgiveness to forgive Amber Geiger. And uh, have any of you seen this tape, this clip of him saying, you know, I I want to forgive you, and then he asks the judge, he's like, can I please come down, may I hug her? Can I hug her? And then he goes, please, and the judge allows it, and he walks off, walks down and comes up and and, and gives her a hug. One of the reasons he says he does it is because he wants to, it's what his brother would have wanted. Brandon said it's what his brother would have done, and that his brother was a forgiving, loving person. And so I was like, man, this is really beautiful and um, an amazing moment. Um, And so I I was just struck by the beauty, and I I put it up on one of my Instagram stories, and it was just like, you know, put grace, you know, just grace, this is grace. And I think I retweeted it and said, you know, this is a great example of of grace, you know. Um, But as I do, (laughs) I stayed on social media, (laughs) And watched people. Social media strikes again. Watched people dissect the meaning behind it. And talk about the injustices around it. And talked about, you know, all sorts of different things. If you, if you, if you Google this, you'll see uh, tons of articles on it. And... Uh, People having different responses because it's a complicated issue. I get it. Um, but I, I noticed was as people started to um, started to add qualifiers of what it was and what it wasn't, and what it should mean and what it shouldn't mean. And so I started thinking about grace and qualifiers. And how grace doesn't have qualifiers. And how grace doesn't have an asterisk. Now, I understand this is a good reason, a good thing to have a conversation about. But for Brandit, the young man who forgave this woman, this ex police officer, for him, it was a pure moment of grace, a pure moment of forgiveness. You know, now, did it change anything? You know, did it get her a longer sentence? Did it get her a shorter sentence? No. You know, she only got 10 years. And the fact is, is if the roles would have been reversed, she probably would have gotten 50 years if she would have been, you know, a black man. That's just the facts of it. But what we've got to do is sometimes embrace a moment of grace. And why was it so shocking to people? You know, I don't really believe in miracles. But to me, this was a type of miracle because it's the type of thing that you don't see in the norm. You don't see every day. You know, it's just something where you go, wow, that's amazing. You know, what what does it take to do that? You know, what kind of person does that? What You know, One of the articles was written that says, was this too soon? You know, and I mean, for me, it would have been too soon. I mean, I think about my sister, and if someone had came in and killed my sister, and I would have forgiven them, how I would, you know, how I would forgive them, how I would show them grace would be really tough. I know even going through my own divorce, showing grace to my ex and forgiving and giving complete forgiveness and all this kind of stuff, and vice versa for both of us is really tough. You know there's a lot that goes into it. A lot of therapy, a lot of counseling, a lot of looking back, a lot of conversations, you know. But here was this raw moment of grace. And uh you know, someone I saw a thing and and I almost just was like, "Okay, I got to take a take a break from social media." But unfortunately, I'm a I love pain. And it inspires me to give these talks. Um someone said you know if you only tweeted this post about the forgiveness then you know you're wrong you should have been posting all along you should have posted this you should have had hashtags you know black lives matters and all this thing and this is, and you should have done this you shouldn't just, you know it says a lot about who you are as a person if you just did this and i thought no, that's really strange because i just did that you know i um have a life that I live and, and I, I try to fight for as many injustices that I see. Um, what I've realized is that it's impossible to fight all against all of injustices at once. It's hard to say like cover every bad thing that's happening. Um, but what I saw was as a moment of grace, break through a complete horrible, horrific, shitty situation. I saw a moment of forgiveness and grace break through and it just blew my mind. And I just was surprised and, and 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 not surprised but just like always going like you know it's so funny how we always want to qualify forgiveness or we always want to qualify grace. How we always want some sort of asterisk there or you know it's something that both sides fear. I've talked about this before, you know, conservatives are afraid that it's a license to do whatever you want. Uh, Liberals are afraid it's a license to not do anything (laughs) and that you won't go out and do stuff to help other people. People have a a really complex relationship to this thing called grace that has totally floored me and changed my mind on a million things and has caused me to really work on accepting myself as I am for who I am. Um. You know, I feel like in some ways the moment gets robbed of its humanity and its miraculous beauty. Um, and we often just do that with stuff on social media. We just take this glimpse of something beautiful and then we just dissect it. And you know what? That's human nature and that's what we do. But why did I think of it? I started to think like grace and anarchy, grace and anarchy. Because anarchy says there's you know doesn't I, I wrote down down a couple of uh, Webster's definitions for anarchy, um, A state of disorder due to absence or non-recognition of authority, uh, absence of order. Absence or denial of any authority or established order, and that's what grace does. When Jesus was dying on the cross and said, "Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do," they weren't all like, "Oh yeah, thank you. Oh, we're forgiven. Great. You know, <laughs> thanks for that." That moment wasn't about. I mean, people will say yes. That moment was all about us, Jay, and we want to do that, but. That moment was Christ saying something beautiful and saying, I've made peace with this. I've forgiven those who hurt me and who are in the process of hurting me and killing me right now. I've forgiven you. Um, And so for a lot of us, that just seems like disorder. It seems like chaos. The idea of forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it you know and then some people say well is that you know are you are you you know saying what they did is okay and i don't think that's what grace does i don't think it takes your negative action and says it's okay what it does is it says you're okay you're accepted it's like i used to use this example when i was younger of someone who put their hand on a burner you know and then pick their hand up and they've got a ring <laughs> from that burner on their hand you know and you can love them and you can forgive them and you can see past the mistake but the fact is is that mistakes there and that scars there you know but you can still show them grace and love but they still have to live with that scar you know it's not like this miraculous thing that all of a sudden gets rid of stuff and so I went and, and, and posted a few things about grace, and I, I was going to nail, try to hit the nail on the head, but then I was like, no, you know what? I don't want to get in an argument with like my progressive friends. I don't want to get in an argument with the conservative people. I don't want to get in an argument with anybody right now. I'm just going to post about grace. And I just said, you know, grace seems to be a part of anarchy. And just watched as people retweeted it or talked about it and and, and what they had to say. And it was kind of like, I have a secret. (laughs) Um, But it's this totally beautiful move that society fears and that people in the faith that embrace this as its main issue fear and struggle with continuously. All of us in here struggle with it. Who do I give grace? Can I give grace? How do I accept grace? Is grace sufficient? You know, I mean, it's just constantly questioning grace. And, you know, Tillich talks about, you know, you have to just continue to return to accept that you're accepted. Uh, Martin Luther in his uh, commentary on Galatians is like, grace is the one thing that cannot be repeated enough in theology, and in, 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 in speaking is that it can never be repeated enough because it's so hard to grasp. It's so hard to believe. It's such a, 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 a powerful idea that goes against our human nature. So it must be used repetitively. We must repetitively have this idea of grace. And not just singing songs about it, but literally dissecting it, looking at it. What is it? And um, Ephesians... Two eight says, For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your doing. It is a gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. But I want to look at this for by grace you have been saved through faith as a gift of God. So, grace is supposedly this gift. And it's, you know, your gift doesn't nullify actions. And how can I look at this deeper? And so, I thought about it and I thought, well, you know what? I'll ask people on Twitter, or I mean on Instagram, uh, what they think about grace. And so I did that, but I also had a question on one of my posts. Um, let's see if I can find it. And I told them that I would try to answer this question, sir. So the question was: <clears throat> Does grace enable abuse? And. Um, Another person chimed in and said, yeah, I wonder this, too. Does grace enable abuse? So that's a lot of people's worry is that, well, if you forgive somebody, if you show them grace, then you're going to enable their abuse, their your abuser, you know, and and it's just going to continue to go on. Now, the church has had a long tradition of doing things like because of marriage is so sacred, you know, telling People in abusive relationships to stay in relationships, and that God will work it out, and blah blah blah. You know, okay, that's garbage. You know, my last relationship, we just could not get along. It didn't work. We made each other unhappy, very very unhappy, and we had to let each other go. And it was hard as hell. Still tough. Um. But what about people being abused? You know, an abuser. Um. And for me, how I would say that is like, let's just look at someone in an abusive relationship is get the hell out of that relationship. You know? And maybe down the road, you'll be able to give this person grace. You'll be able to forgive them for what they did to you. But a lot of times grace, giving grace allows us to accept grace. It allows us to have grace. When we don't forgive people, our hearts get hardened, we think about them, it follows us into depression, we can't let go, we desperately need closure, and I'm going to be honest with you, I've found this to be very true, is that most situations, awful situations in this world, don't give you closure. But forgiving and showing grace allows you to have somewhat of closure. But it doesn't mean that you stay in the abusive relationship. It doesn't mean that you stay with the abuser. It doesn't mean that you continue to be around that person constantly. Um, it doesn't mean you go like, everything you did was okay. Now what you're saying is, is like, I've forgiven you. I'm not going to hold on to you anymore. I'm letting go. There you go. There's grace. There's grace. You know, I've forgiven you and there's nothing you can do about it. So how's that? I mean, it just, how is that kind of an anarchist moment is going saying like, I don't care what your rules or regulations are. I don't care who you are, how mean you are. I've decided to let you go. I've decided to find peace in my own heart and give this gift to you. Now what you do with this gift I don't have a control over what I give anyone. My my kids, for example. My son will find a stick and play with that stick all the way. And I've got so many sticks in my house. It's insane. I'll take him to Target. And he'll be like, oh, this two Nage Mutant a Turtle. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. I'm like, oh, really? Are you sure? He's like, oh, this Mutant Turtle, you know. I'm like, well, he does like the turtles, and I've seen him draw pictures of turtles. So, yeah, sure, okay, we'll get the mutant ninja turtle. And he'll play with the thing for, like, a couple hours. If you went into my danky, dirty car right now, you would find a mutant turtle, uh, I think it's Leonardo, laying on the floor of my car. Because he just, he just, that's what he, you know, it was a gift. I gave it to him. I hoped he would cherish it. I bought him this really amazing garbage truck. I looked everywhere for it, and he wanted a big garbage truck for Christmas. And I found this garbage truck. And every time I get over to his mom's house, I just see it sit there in the corner. You know, he doesn't play with the garbage truck. He doesn't do anything with it. You know, I, I, what I'm saying is, is, is sometimes that's how grace is, is when you give grace to people who don't cherish it or don't, you know, or just moving on, they don't respond exactly how you want to. But that's not, I don't think that's the whole point of grace, you know. And, uh, you know, because for me it was always accepting that I was accepted by something greater than myself, and then learning that others are accepted too, but not condoning actions. I think uh, Martin Luther King worked really well with this, is, is that he showed grace to his persecutors, But he'd never said, okay, I'm just going to let you guys continue to persecute me and persecute people around me and persecute people I love in the African-American community. He didn't say that. He said, no, we got to change. I'm disappointed with this. But I don't see you as the enemy. I see your message as the enemy. I see your actions as bad. But ultimately, I see you as a fellow human being and a human experience. And I see that you are a victim Of misinformation you know someone who hurts another human being is a victim of humanity and has been taught the wrong way to treat another person well forgiving them and giving them grace transform them I don't know that's the risk you take with giving grace that's the risk you take when you forgive people when I was a kid and my dad was in prison and I was a teenager I sat down with Jerry Falwell because Jerry Falwell wanted to meet my dad in prison. And I was like, no way, man, this guy's going to come in and try to hammer my dad and, and just put the last nail in his coffin, you know. And then my dad was like, well, why don't you meet with him first? And then my dad sat and talked to me about forgiveness and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, dad, I'll go meet with him. You know, and for the first 20, 30 minutes, I tore into the guy, you know. And then just something hit me and I said, but you know what, I forgive you. Now his response was not one that I cherished or anything. He was like, "Thank you," you know. He was like, "Well, I appreciate you forgiving me for whatever you thought I did." I think is exactly how he said it. Um, so it wasn't the gift wasn't received in the way I wanted it to be received, but something came off of me. And it's, I've tried to claim it back every now and then, and then I have to give it away, and then claim it back and give it away. But Jerry Falwell did not change. He did not say, like, oh, I'm going to stop the Christian right, and I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to stop treating gay people like they're second-class citizens. None of that happened. Did I stop fighting against those injustices even that were made by him? Yes, I kept fighting against those injustices. But I was able to forgive him for that point. At that point, I was able to offer up grace and be set free. I watched my mom do the same thing. You know, we were never in love with the person. We didn't become best friends with the person. Never had a relationship with the person. Never condoned that person's actions following that moment. But we said, "We're going to give you grace for that time that you hurt me. I'm not going to hold on to that. You're forgiven." Now, this also sounds kind of selfish. But it can also be mind-boggling when you just let something go. And I think in certain relationships, you will see it's a great a gift well-received that does transform people. That let them know they're loved and they're cared for and that they're forgiven. I've had people forgive me for a lot of dumb things, you know, and I've been so grateful for it, so grateful for that mercy, so grateful for that love. You know, and I've learned from it just like everything we do in life. But grace is this radical step that people are afraid of. Um because I was busy and stuff, when the person asked this question, I just answered with a no because I was like, How am I gonna get into this whole thing? I just was like, I'll just give a simple answer and I just said no. It's not. And um she wrote back, I have a hard time understanding grace. I was taught to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, but that harmed me because I couldn't identify spiritual abuse and domestic abuse. I kept dismissing dysfunctional behaviors as praying for people because they identified as Christians. So, I guess this is where lies is the confusion of grace is that it's somehow the ticket to con- stay in dysfunctional. Oh, I'll just pray for them. I'll just you know, I'll just let them keep beating me. You know, that's not how King worked. That's not how when I was working with Soul Force and things like that. That's not how we worked. We would meet with people and talk with them and try to show grace and try to show love and compassion yeah you know, but we'd also have debriefings where we would go back to our place and we'd talk about it and, and discuss it and be like, "This hurt me, and that hurt me you know and, and communicate it, you know, but at the same time, still trying to be givers of grace, but dealing with that, but not staying in that harmful place, and also saying we want to let other people know that that's a harmful place too. Yes, these pers- people deserve grace as an oxymoron um can have grace. But the fact is, is what they're still doing is destructive. So what can we do to change that? Um, It's sad to me that loving your enemies has become something where you're just going to go, I'm going to love and pray for my enemies. So I'm just going to let them just destroy me. Now, nonviolence in some ways seems to do that. But nonviolence also has a point where it's exposing. You're exposing the other persons, you know, saying, like, look at this person beating me for no reason, you know. And it also has a a component of communication that's very important, and so those things are pretty, pretty deep. But um, you're not showing yourself grace if you allow yourself to stay in those situations. You know, what you have to do is say, "Okay, I'm accepted. I'm loved enough to know that I'm not going to tolerate being mistreated or beaten because I know I'm accepted." You know, for me and my wife, we knew we could not accept each other anymore. As much as we wanted to love each other and forgive each other, we have two beautiful kids together and show this kind of like grace and mercy and all this kind of thing. We still couldn't stay in that relationship. We don't go out and hang out. I mean, we might get to a point where we do that. You know, but... I think you would think, you know, if there's forgiveness and grace there, yeah, it's a process that we're working on, but we're not going to continue to... We decided that, you know, hey, we're not... We're kind of toxic together. I'm not going to stay in this. And what we had to do is, like, I have to find myself now. I have to find who I am. That part of me that is accepted, I don't even know what that is anymore. I've got to find out what that looks like. You know, Who am I, any, without you when I'm in a relationship that's not, you know, we're not tearing each other down? It's not healthy. So I think there has to be wisdom involved and common sense, you know? You can give grace from afar is what I'm trying to say. You can forgive someone for something that they've done but they still have to pay the consequences for what they're doing. You know, grace may change our perception. It may change who we are by giving it. And it may change that person we've given it to, but we can't change the circumstances that require them to get there to be in need of grace. Grace. You know, him saying "I forgive you," the judge wasn't like, "Oh, let's knock another five years off." Didn't happen. But it was a moment of something that this guy Brandon had to do. He had to forgive. He had to show grace. He said, "This is my legacy. This is the legacy of my brother's life: is to show you grace and forgiveness, and to wrap my arms around you and let you know you are loved and forgiven." You know, it's tough. And, and, and why I keep coming back to this idea as anarchy is because this is disorder. In my mind, I'm going like, does he, even in my mind, does he really deserve grace? You really should forgive this woman or should you really forgive this person? Should I really show them grace? I mean, I have alarms go off in my head when I want to like, try to forgive people, especially people closer to me. You know, and God forbid if you hurt one of my children, you know, or one of my parents, or my sister. You know, It's really hard for me to extend that grace and extend that forgiveness. But it was such an amazing thing to me that when I sat down with someone like Jerry Falwell and said, I forgive you, I realized the power that it had on me and the effect that it had on me to become more of a human being that I couldn't rob that of my dad, for my dad. So I was like, of course you can meet my dad. And I remember seeing my dad after that meeting and we both embraced each other and hugged and it was like we were almost high. It was really weird because we were both just like, you know what? We're putting this. We're just giving it to God. We're just giving it to the higher power or whatever. We're just dropping it down. We're showing grace. We're showing mercy. We're forgiving on our own terms. We don't have to have, yeah, thank you, please forgive me. And that's what I'm looking for in a lot of relationships is I want someone to be like, I want that person to ask me for forgiveness, you know? When are they? You know, when people are in AA, they go through this thing where they make amends. And there was a Seinfeld episode where, uh, who's the bald guy? George Costanza is like waiting for this guy to apologize because he, would he wouldn't let him wear a sweater because he would stretch it out because his head because George's head was too big. And so George is like, "Where's my, where's my amends? Where are my amends?" And you know, and it ends with a guy like working in an ice cream store, like eating a bunch of butter rum stuff because. George pushes him over to the edge you know because he wants this forgiveness so bad because he's just so like why is everybody getting apologies but me? <laughs> he owes me an apology and the guy was like no your head's huge it would have stretched out the sweater you know I mean it was, it was ridiculous but that sometimes we don't realize the act of forgiveness and the act of grace sometimes it's just going to be on our part or we just live with it and carry it around with us and I you know, funny thing is in, in therapy, a lot of what I deal with is, is letting certain things like, OK, you know, you might not get the closure you want. So you're just going to have to learn to distinguish ex- extinguish this, let it go, put it out, move on with your life, let things go. But you know what that is? That's a form of saying, I'm just going to give grace to these memories. I'm going to give grace to my past. I'm going to let this go. And most people say you're an idiot. Get closure. We all want closure. Am I right? Am I right or am I right? (laughs) I think I'm right. Um... There's a beautiful song about grace written by you too. I wish I had the song here, but I don't. Um, But this is how I'm trying to answer these questions of of, of grace. uh, Hopefully I still have the story up. There it is. So we can answer some other questions real quick. And then we'll close this thing up. Some are too deep for me. Okay. So, one of the questions was In what way does grace create the world of justice and equality that it demands? So if we just live our own world, you walk around forgiving people, what are we going to do? I don't think grace, I think grace is tied to justice. I think grace is qua- tied to equality because I can't be who I'm supposed to be. I can't live in my acceptance and my reality of grace unless the other person is able to live in their grace and in their forgiveness and in their mercy. You know, I can't, I can't share that, you know, um, Grace is also speaking the truth to people, you know I mean the whole book of Galatians, which I love, is a book on grace, but it's also literally a letter rebuking a group of people for going away from grace, and you see paul's struggle in there. you see where he's like, "Oh, there's you know neither male nor female nor junior Gentile, we're all one in Christ or you know be love he's like, beware of biting, devouring one another, you know you might be consumed by one another." And literally, right before that, he says, "I wish those bothering you would castrate themselves." You know, so you see the contradiction there. You see the struggle there. It's a tough thing. You know, humanity is a hard thing to be a part of. Being a human being is tough. Um, but for me, I wasn't able to really open my eyes to more. I've the more I've understood grace in my own life, I've been able to open my eyes to misjustice and unjustice injustice, and I've been able to fight for justice. But I've also been able to see that I can't scapegoat everybody, that I have to look at my own self and take responsibility for my own self, too. And that sometimes I have to give somebody grace because they grew up differently than me. They grew up in a different place. They have a different traditions. They have different things like that. And my tweet is not going to blow their mind. You know, what might, might have to happen is we might have to sit down and have a conversation and have a relationship and have talk. It's just different ways grace works in different ways. Sometimes we have to forgive from afar, and then sometimes we have to accept close up when, when, when it's time for the hard work to come. Now, I want to make this clear again. I'm not saying, like, if you're an abused person and being beaten and being mistreated, get away from that. Show them grace, pray for them, and I hope that God sends someone in their life that can sit down and show them why they're not showing mercy and grace themselves. But for me, someone wrote, What does anarchy and grace look like when lived out? You know, this is kind of a new idea for me. This is just something I was thinking about this week. But I mean, to me, it looks like this young man forgiving the murder of her brother. You know? For me, it's saying, I'm going to forgive my enemies. I'm going to love my enemies. Um, at the same time, not abandoning common sense and not abandoning wisdom that we've been given as a gift, you know, but knowing how we are able to move with grace. Sometimes you're going to have it and it's going to connect you with somebody, and sometimes you're just going to have to be like, I may never see this person again. And that's probably the greatest gift I can give them. Sometimes me showing grace, I talked about this last week, I think, is if you looked in my uh, saved tweets, <laughs> that like I don't release the ones that it was like, would you like to archive this? Yeah, let's archive it and think on it a little while. I have a lot of those because for me, sometimes showing grace is saying, I'm not going to get mixed up in the middle of this. I'm not going to give my two cents. Because I realize there's nothing constructive happening. And all this is going to do is going to add more chaos to the situation. So I'm going to try to give grace from afar. Or I'm going to find out a way where I can direct message a person or maybe even get their phone number and say, hey, can we have a conversation? Or hey, do you need me? Or hey, what's going on? You know, I, I recently ran into somebody who I have some disagreements with and unfortunately, they took off before I could get to them, because <laughs> I ran out and, and searched everywhere out in the parking lot for this person. I was like, "Where are they? I want to talk to them." I just, I feel like, you know, there there needs to be a conversation here that would be probably really beneficial for both of us. And um, I wasn't able to do that. And then there's certain people I just like. You know what? I'm going to try to give them as much grace as possible. You know and if they're hurting brothers and sisters and hurting other people, I'm going to speak up still on the part of injustice, but I think grace and fighting against injustice can go hand in hand. Grace is not just this thing where we just go, I'm going to throw my brain out, or we stop being human, or we stop, you know, our survival, you know, instinct goes away, you know. Um, yes, it's a precious gift that's worth giving, but you have to really lower, one, your expectations on how it's received, and two, sometimes realize that grace has more to do with what's going to happen with you than to the other person when you are the giver of grace. We talk mostly in here about receiving grace, but when we show grace, it's a different thing. And as people are unique and complex and contradicted, contradictions, we have to, you know, use that grace differently for different people. You don't buy everybody the same birthday gift for the same Christmas gift. You know, you're not going to forgive everybody in the same way. Um, and I, I find myself up here wrestling Of this talk, because I'm like, oh, there's some people that don't deserve grace. I want the asterisk. I want an asterisk in the Bible, and so I can look down and I go, oh, Hitler. There. <laughs> Hitler doesn't get grace. <laughs> you know, um, I think it's something powerful and transformative. And it just doesn't work and that where, where is it where you just have two choices? What? I think you a zero-sum game, What did you say? No. Yeah, I mean, it's just not a black and white issue. you know? It was dualistic. I mean, you, just have, you know, grace is also a bit of a contradiction at times. It really is. It was when I saw that video. But that was the beauty of it is that there was a contradiction there. There was an undeserved gift being given. You know, and there was something that just said, I'm going to do this. Write all the damn articles you want. And tell me, you know, and, 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 and then people who were sharing it saying, well, I want to show this moment of grace. And then people saying, well, you can't show this moment of grace if you didn't do X, Y, or Z you know I'm going like man really have we come to the point where we can't even you know we're policing each other on how we interpret forgiveness I don't think anyone in their right mind is sharing that and going like okay it's okay to kill you know unarmed black men I don't think anybody's thinking that who's sharing that I think what they're saying is like look at this extraordinarily strong, forgiving, amazing, miraculous human being who's offering something that most of us could never offer. Why is it on the news? Why is it on Twitter? Why are people talking about it? Why are they arguing about it? Because it's a miracle. Because it seems like a miracle because it doesn't make sense and so we're all complex about it and we have to think, is this going to ruin everything? I mean, that's how some people acted. Like, is this type of thing going to just make people think that it's okay to do this or do that? You know, that's the fear of grace. People afraid of it. Because it's gonna cause anarchy. You know, chaos will be everywhere, you know. People will do whatever they want, and then they won't do anything, and it's just gonna be chaotic. You know, there's no rules or regulations, you know. It's like grace just moves, it's like water, it just fits into the container that it needs to fit into. You know. It, just does, it doesn't have the rules that we want. It doesn't have the government system that we want. So sometimes you're saying my grace is going to look completely different to someone else, how I show it to someone else and how I show it to this person over here. It's going to look completely different how I show it to my dad and how I show it to Jerry Falwell, how I show it to my ex-wife, how I show it to Caleb, how I show it. You know, it's just not going to be the same thing because it is something that moves and morphs and is complex that none of us can figure out. And as and, and and far as I understand, this whole idea of love and grace and forgiveness, it was the whole point of Jesus' life. Jesus said a lot of cool stuff, but it, you know, if you really think about it, you could read a lot of other books of, of people who talk about like social justice issues and, and talk about inspirational things that were, were way more more radical than jesus but jesus kept coming back to this idea of grace and love and mercy and then paul's like building on it and going like yeah jesus said this but man if we're going to really mean it we even got to take it to this degree you know and it's got to work here and we got to show it to everybody and i to make sure you don't bite and devour one or make sure you don't do this you know and he's like and, and the enemies need grace too and, and this person needs grace and but you know We've just taken the Bible and, and, and taken the ideas, concepts of grace and things like that and, and come down to like this sixth grade understanding of this fundamentalist understanding that can say, oh, it can only be this. You know, but grace is a chameleon. Grace is a shapeshifter. You know, how I, how I get of it and how I receive it is going to be completely different in different times. I have to accept grace for my mental health and my depression and just accept it, that it's, it's part of who I am. It doesn't go away. Four days ago, I think I woke up crying. Today, I did not want to come to service because I felt depression coming back. And it scares me when I feel that little bit of depression kind of moving in a little bit. And I go, oh, you know, and I just like... What can I do? <laughs> Don't look at it. Don't make eye contact. You know, and um, but part of it is just saying, you know what? This is part of my life. I'm going to hear these thoughts. I'm going to let them roll by. I'm going to accept them, and I'm going to move on because that's part of grace. Um, I think I'm going to end with this Dave Chappelle quote. Someone else who people probably argue about if they deserve grace or not. <clears throat> Um, someone asked me do you think grace is the wedding of agape and anarchy (laughs) Uh, you know maybe I don't know Um, let's see if I can find it you have to give me a second everybody forgive me for I have many photos of my children playing with lizards My son got a lizard and he loves it. Um, Where is this quote? Uh, There it is. Our cult, this is uh, Dave Chappelle, says, Our culture has accepted two huge lies. And this is one I think we've all accepted. I have accepted it at certain times. Two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. Did you hear that? If you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. Um, especially working with my LGBTQ friends, and you know, I, I've been, you know, I started using heterosexist more than homophobia because I was like, I don't think these people are necessarily afraid. I just think they think they have the better way figured out. <laughs> so, heterosexism seems like more of a thing than homophobia. You know, like, like, I'm scared of snakes, but I don't think we should get rid of all the snakes. You know, I mean, I wish, actually do think we should get rid of all the snakes. All right, I'm going online. <laughs> get rid of the snakes. Um, but if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, it doesn't mean you just hate them or fear them. There are a lot of religious people out there that I don't agree with. There are a lot of non-religious people that I do not agree with. But I do not mean I hate them. I don't hate the new atheist, you know. What's the big guy's name? I did a thing with him once. Dawkins. I don't hate Richard Dawkins. I don't fear Richard Dawkins. I've sat in a room with him and talked to the guy, you know. Do I disagree with Richard Dawkins? Yes. I'm sure there's probably some areas I agree with more now than I did then, but still, I don't fear or hate him. Do I disagree with my father strongly? Yes, but I don't fear or do I don't hate him? Do I disagree with my ex-wife? Yes, but I don't fear or hate her. Probably in our marriage we realized that we had fear and hate towards each other and realized we got to get out of this because it's making us not, we don't even, we're not loving each other. We we, we fear and hate, we're starting to fear and hate. We need to get away from this. This is becoming toxic. So here I'm preaching more from Dave Chappelle's quote than I am any of the Bible verses. In our culture we must accept two huge lies. The first is that you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that To love someone means you agree with everything they believe, say, or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. So you don't have to compromise convictions to show grace. I love a lot of people that I completely disagree with. So the idea is is that contradictions lie within everything and are in everything. And so I see this as a very grace quote. You know? So I think we've got to learn that we can show grace and still not agree with people. You know? And it's up to them to say, I don't want it. You know? I don't like that whole hate this, sin, uh, love the sinner, hate the sin thing, uh, you know, like, oh, that's kind of gross, you know, like, or, you know, I love you, brother, but your lifestyle is horrible, you know, that's, I heard that a lot when I was with Soulforce, I, I didn't like that, and, and in some ways, that was a gift that we were going, like, that gift's not good enough, by the way, that, you know, maybe there's some, <laughs> something behind that, and maybe you're trying to get to a certain point, but I I'm not going to accept that gift because that gift is tarnished and it's poison to me. That's not grace. That's 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 anti-grace. You know, that's false grace. You know. So, does this make sense to anybody? You know, this is just. Sometimes you're going to when you forgive your enemies people will think you are an idiot and that's where else i come into the anarchy part when you forgive someone else's enemies they will think you're an enemy when i started talking about saying hey you know i don't think all republicans are bad and i don't think they're all going to hell and i don't think anybody everybody who voted for trump is a horrible person I, you know i just i think that's that, that's naive You know, I think it goes back to having a sixth grade understanding of the Bible and things like that. You know, people are complex, people are different, people vote for different reasons. You know. But as soon as I started saying that, I started noticing that some of my progressive brothers and sisters started kicking back at me and going, like, wait, that's the enemy. You can't love the enemy. And that's the thing is I told one person to piss off. Now that's where the punk attitude comes in. It's because I'm saying piss off I don't have time to even argue this with you I'm going to love these people You're gonna, I'm going to tell you to piss off but you know why I'm telling you to piss off is because I love you and I don't want to tear you down to shreds so I'm saying go away right now go away because I can't deal with this because I can't show everybody grace 100% of the time I'm not God I'm not the ground of being I'm not whatever you know but the fact is, is I can show grace and give grace to whom I choose there is no rule or regulation because it moves outside of law. It moves outside of karma is what that song says, the U2 song says. It says grace moves outside of karma. There's no karma law there. There's no this. Grace is for the undeserving, all that crap. It's unmerited favor, blah, blah, blah. You know. So sometimes that's going to happen, and you're going to pay the price for forgiving the wrong person, or you're going to have 150 articles written about you analyzing why you forgave somebody. And why you showed them grace. But the fact is, is that's where the punk aspect of grace comes in. Sometimes you just have to be like, I will be the misunderstood. You know, most people that I met when I was on... I had no idea how much that Soul Force trip impacted me. A lot of the uh, allies that I met... For me, I was like a total like, no, it's biblically, you can be gay, it's fine. I had to go study a Bible. <laughs> you know? For a lot of them, it was like it had nothing to do with the Bible for me. It had to do with knowing someone. It had someone who knew that I didn't agree with them and didn't think that they were okay come and show me that they were okay. And then I had to realize that I was the one that wasn't okay. You know. So sometimes we need that little bit of chaos in our life and we need the people who are saying I'm going to be bigger than even this I'm going to be bigger than your hate against me I'm going to show you so much grace that it's going to transform you and I've seen that happen so much in my work for equality with LGBTQ brothers and sisters. And I'm not saying it's for everybody because I have friends who are so hurt and so fucked up that they can't barely get through life and they can't walk into a church without being trigger warned. A lot of people listen to the service because they can't walk into a church building. But there's some people who can and go into a church personally, and walk in and say, this is who I am. Guess what? I've accepted grace and I am going to help you accept it by my mere presence here. Because I know where I am. I know where I stand. I mean, when you get around somebody who knows who they are and there's no changing it, you've got two options. Embrace it or reject it. You know? Actually, you might have three options. Or give grace until you can have a better understanding. But don't use it as a Minnesota way. Like, well, I just give you grace for your sinful life and sinful nature. You know, just say, uh, I'm giving you grace for something that I don't understand. But you're gonna sometimes there's people who can say that kind of stuff, because there's a lot of people. I still get emails from them and still hear from them who say that kind of stuff. And I still get condemned for saying it's okay to be gay and that, you know, I don't think there's a hell. Um we just recently got a really long email from somebody about it. Um you know, but I'm just glad that there's people like the folks in Soul Force who say, Oh, I'm gonna go into you know Liberty University, I'm gonna sit down because I know who I am. And I'm just going to show them who I am. And that's going to be my life. That's going to be my example of grace is that this is who I am. Here I am. Here I stand. Uh, You know, that's what Luther did. Here I stand. And Luther was a huge grace person. He wasn't perfect. But that's the whole thing about grace is when you're getting grace, you're not perfect. When you're giving grace, they're not perfect. That's the whole concept of grace. Grace. There's grace is not being perfection. If you think being perfect perfect is some way to reach grace, you're doing the exact opposite thing. Or if you're looking for the right person, like they're deserving of grace, that's an oxymoron. No one's deserving of grace. And I know I said I would end it with that talk, that with that quote, but. um, Paul Tillich says, We experience the grace of being able to look, we experience grace, the grace of being able to look frankly into the eyes of another. The miraculous grace of reunion of life with life. And he goes on to say, We experience this grace being able to accept the life of another, even if it be hostile and harmful to us. For through grace, We know that it belongs to the same ground to which we belong and to which we have been accepted. That's what punk rock kids did for me in high school. Just said, yeah, man, you seem to belong to the same ground we do. So we're going to accept you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, We're going to do a... uh, Afterglow. Oh, yeah, we've got two interviews, folks, so we're going to do maybe a real short afterglow and then probably just keep it tacked on to this one, and then we've got interviews to do. So let me know when the engines are ready. Do we have any feedback from the audience? Anyone? Anyone? I see that hand. I see that hand. <laughs> well, I think that
0: Grace at least my understanding of it is that it's radical acceptance. That when I'm, for example, thinking of myself and how I'm a hypocrite and I need to remove this characteristic from myself and that negative characteristic and this negative characteristic, I'm not at peace. Yeah. But when I see, well, this anger and this hostility and this bitterness is its part of who I am. And when I do that, and I just, in a sense, relax into who I am, to me that is great. That God knows that's who I am. Yeah. It's not like I'm trying to to just eradicate parts of who I am, right? eliminate them, mm. but it's that I need to be who I am, and then I can.
1: I feel like Paul kind of said, like it strips of us of strips us of our identities in a way. There are identities that say I belong here, I belong here. It just says no, you belong,
0: and we're all refugees in God's—I'll call it His nation-state. All
2: refugees. Yeah, I think it's kind of something where you, you learn as you go. We we've been talking about this for at least the past like year and a half in Afterglows. I think specifically about where's the line between love and acceptance and you know having healthy boundaries and stuff like that. We were, I think we talk about it so much because it's such a tricky thing. But uh, I guess experience and trial and error and, and um, learning as you go, and and even maybe like you were just saying, Vicky, like learning uh, through showing grace to yourself and being like, well, maybe I should have been a little bit harder on myself with this or that, or maybe I should have been more forgiving or or more I don't want to say lenient, but but uh, softer with myself, you know, in, in this scenario or that scenario. Accepting, yeah, yeah. I think you can always be accepting. This maybe this is doing a turn for because I, I hate that God hate God loves. The sinner hates the sin. Yeah. I, I really... And probably just because I associate it with... Like, anytime that someone said that to me, it's been, you know, about... Just the way that it is applied, I think. But maybe there's a way where you can say, you know, I, I love myself, but I don't... I dislike what I am doing, or I like this person, I dislike what they're doing. I accept them, period. But I am not... And this is, this is triggering language for me, too, but, like, I'm not condoning what they're doing. And and honestly I think the biggest thing for me with that is I've heard that mostly applied to to queer people yeah you know like I think that's the most common application I've heard of that phrase which is I think why it is it is so upsetting but you know maybe there's something to reclaim there
1: yeah I mean I think if you got really radical with grace you would say live and let live yeah and the church hates that but you would say that in the church the church would be like all oh, I mean we're all broken so here we are you know? And, and, and one, said, one person said uh, one time to me, they said, I wish people would say, love the sinner and then focus on your own damn sin. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's good. It's kind of like, because times when we aren't accepting others, there's probably a huge part that's not accepting of ourselves. I know that my therapist is like, when I talk about my inner dialogue, she's like, would you say that to anyone in your congregation? Ever. I'm like, no. She's like, well, why do you say it to yourself? Sometimes Grace is allowing other people to have their journey. And that's tough. Because I think we live in a culture where we just want everybody to be woke and everybody to be right now. You know? And I thought about this. My mom was never you know, my mom was never completely affirming. She, she never was. I wish she was. She's an icon. She would be on Christian television and she would be in a marching gay pride parade. You know, the the, the God hates facts, people protest her. Both her both her memorial services. Big signs Tammy Faye's phase in hell. God hates fag enablers. And I thought, I would like bag fag enabler put on my gravestone. Um, <laughs> sorry. Probably not even allowed to say that. But that's probably be the last time those words come out of my mouth. But anyhow, yeah. You know, it's like... But I thought about it today, and then I thought about how, like, there was this Christian festival that happened, and there was a guy who's... Does a lot of social justice work and all this stuff, but he wasn't completely affirming, and he showed up and they protested him at this Christian. I and mean, it was it was progressive Christians protesting this guy saying you haven't come far enough. And I was like, man, it's strange how things change in ten years. I wonder if like my mom showed up to that and they knew where she was, if they would have protested her as well. You know? So sometimes Grace is realizing that people are on a journey and it's really tough. You know, nobody changes overnight. It's complicated. I've spent so much time in therapy and had so many different types of therapy just to come where I'm somewhat comfortable in my skin. And do you know how often I feel that old me want to come back and be like, let's just stop all this freaking personal growth and just feel guilty about who we are all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I I I have to go back to accepting me and going, okay, stop inner voices. I get more done. Because when I'm doing that to myself, I'd rather stay in bed than drive over to Caleb's house and record a podcast. You know, I'd rather just hide away. A times when I don't respond to things because I'm just inside. That's mm-hmm. an introvert. It's a problem. Do we have any burning desires? No? Alright, well everybody thanks for listening to Revolution and enjoy our outro. Bye-bye.
0: We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.